It was the last day of my internship, with, uh, not internship, work experience, sorry, with Zoe Foster-Blake. I had done it this week with um, Cosmopolitan magazine. They'd kind of put me with Zoe for most of that week. And at the end of that week, um, she was like, thank you so much for coming in. Um, we'd love to have you back and come back as an intern. And his giant bag of product to say thank you. And I died. Like I honestly, it was like Christmas all come at once. Also coming from her. <laughs> oh, it was like a, a huge bag full to the brim of product. And I took it with me and I just was like, I couldn't believe it. Really couldn't. I got on the train to go from Sydney all the way back to Gosford on the oh, Central Coast. Doll, and I, I sat there <laughs> with all your just products. pulled out every single product and played with every single one. I called my mum and my dad and I, I, I was just so overwhelmed by, by the products that I had been given. And in that bag was a turquoise green Estee Lauder eyeshadow. And I don't know if you remember the I old do. packaging. I do, yeah. It was like in... in clear kind of perspex um it had the round pot in there and i just became obsessed with this one bloody eyeshadow and i wore green on my eyes <laughs> you know that turquoise you yes. know that turquoise that color face. yeah um this is what 2007 um and i wore that on my eyes for months months and months and months I'm Alison Rice and welcome to this special Self-Care Sundays mini-series brought to you by Studio Offline and Estee Lauder. I'm sitting down with three of the brand's inspiring ambassadors to have an honest conversation about life on the other side of the filter and their relationship with self-care, sleep and skincare. If you already adore following Nadia Fairfax, Deborah Simon O'Neill and Eleanor Pendleton, Estee Lauder and I hope you enjoy getting to know them on a deeper level. Across three episodes, my special guests share the life experiences and self-care strategies that have shaped them into the kind, positive and confident women they are today. As always, these are raw, imperfect conversations grounded in reality. You can find more episodes at offlinethepodcast.com or by subscribing wherever you like to listen. And if you fancy seeing behind the scenes, because let's be honest, who doesn't? Follow Offline the Podcast on Instagram. I'm so proud to have my friend Eleanor Pendleton back on the podcast. She's the founder of one of Australia's most popular and pioneering beauty destinations, Gritty Pretty, and she's also someone who has shown me the most supreme level of care as I've transitioned into my new chapter over the last 12 months. What started as a beauty circuit friendship a handful of years ago is now a close friendship I cherish. Like so many other kind women in my life, she's been there for me in my darkest moments and is the first one to send flowers when it's time to celebrate. In this honest conversation, her third one for offline, we discuss self-care, business and mentors, boundaries, her relationship with sleep and ageing, what she wishes more women knew about skincare, and the very joyful chapter that lies ahead for Elle and her husband Matt. Here's beautiful Eleanor and I for part three of Offline's special Self-Care Sundays miniseries in partnership with Estee Lauder.
Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're here again. Oh, no. Back for round two. I was going to say this Back is the second all. time you've been on, but it's actually the third time because you also did the live event. Oh, of course. Yeah. I thought it was the second, but yeah, you're right. So three seasons, third oh. time. Back for the trifecta. <laughs> In the fourth season, I'll be like, so? You can't get rid of me. I've got this other idea. <laughs> um, but I want to thank you for sitting down with me again. Of course. And I also want to thank you. I already feel emotional. What's wrong with us? Because <laughs> we cry Stop. every time we're together. We're going to be totally together this time. <laughs> I want to thank you for being an immaculate friend to me this past year. Oh, darling. Yeah. Oh, straight back at you. Yeah. means a lot to me. We've been through a lot. We have. And our um, text exchanges and chats in person have meant a lot to me. So, mm, yes. So, I want to say thank you. Oh, you're a good pal. Um, let's reflect on your episode, though, <laughs> because, you know, I'm – at the time of recording this, I'm about to release number 38. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I think you were around 16, mm-hmm. 15 or 16. I still get the most incredible amount of DMs oh. about your episode. And certainly when it went live, mm. it was like wildfire. I've never just, been, yeah, that was so overwhelming, yes. to be honest. I, I re- it, That was very hard for me to process. Just I was inundated and flooded with beautiful beautiful messages from your community and your listeners and it was it was so hard to take that in because mm. you know when it's your story it's yours and you forget that there are others who have very similar stories to yours or they're able to connect with you because they have a similar upbringing or have been through you know similar things that you have and it was just the sheer volume and the response of people um, was really overwhelming for me. But, yeah, that was intense. It was. Yeah. They're just beautiful. Amazing. They're beautiful, aren't yeah. they? Oh, you have, yeah, such a gorgeous community. Oh, thank you. I remember when you, because that's when I was recording Still in My Little Home. Yes. And um, I remember when you walked in and, like, energetically, I was like, oh, we're dust. Because it was so full on as soon as you walked in the house yeah. that I just knew yeah, it was just going to be one of those ones that was like beautifully intense. Yeah. But I'm really proud of it. Yeah, like, me you know, too. when people say to me, oh, you know, I get asked about my favourite slot, which I like, I standard will not say because they're all incredible. Of course. If somebody says, oh, I haven't listened before, what, where should I start? I generally say you. Yeah, because oh I like – I feel like the conversation we had um, sets the tone for what offline seeks to be, I think, oh, you thank know. Thank you. So yeah, it was, it I'm was, proud of it. just felt like a really um, – I guess because we've got that friendship, it's mm. just such a safe space to talk. But I certainly did not expect to just go down that route that we no, went down. I, I think I had to get in the car afterwards and call Matt, my husband, call my sister and like – you know, almost debrief mm. and process what had happened because mm. we were just so in, you know. But it was good. Anyway, back, it was for, good. back for round three. Back for round three. <laughs> um, this time I think the tone might be a little bit lighter. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about self-care, sleep and skincare. Yes. 
And then probably three of my favorite things. I know, which is why I'm so excited. And I was thinking I can't have you here and not talk about business because we actually didn't talk that much about business mm. last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I'm very excited. I'd like to know first up, how has your definition of self-care changed? Well, maybe like what is your definition of self-care but then has it changed in the last sort of handful of years as your kind of life has changed? Like mm. if you think about where you were what were you doing five years ago? <laughs> um, five years ago, I quit my job. Oh, so it's been five mm, years. Yeah, so it's funny you say five years because I, I don't I don't always like to use that term self-care because I think it has become quite a buzzword. Yes. But if I put that aside, it really is what was the beginning of my journey of focusing on me five years ago. I had reached a point in my career – where I was so burnt out, I was exhausted. I um, was working as the beauty editor at InStyle magazine and keep in mind I had been – I had started my career from a very, very early age. Like I started mm. working at 19 in publishing and women's lifestyle magazines and I at 25 I was burnt out. Which is just crazy yeah. at such a young age. Yeah, and I, I think it was a combination of that and having the itchy feet and just being one of those people that needed to be pushed and I had arrived at that destination at 25 years of age. And um, – I had reached a point where I had been working at InStyle magazine as their beauty editor for I think it was about three and a half years. Which is a solid innings these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I was working, you know, every day easily 16 hours a day. Um, my, I was my last priority. Mm. I did not exercise. I did not eat right. I did not look after myself in any capacity purely for the fact that I did not have time. And when I decided and toyed with the idea of finally resigning from my shiny, glossy, perfect job um, to pursue a life of freelance, it was with the intention to get some life balance. Mm, Me too. And I think for me that is where it really started. That's where I started to think, you know, what do I want from this life? Do I want to work to live or do I want to live to work? Um, so that's where it kind of began. And then over the years, obviously, um, of, of growing my business, of growing Gritty Pretty, I have taken everything that I had learned in my in the corporate world and the years I had spent there and applied that to my business, to my business culture and to my life, mm. trying um, to to have some form of balance in some way. And balance is a funny thing. Isn't I think – I don't even think balance is something that, you know, you, like you reach some sort of equal playing field. It's, no. I think there's always the ebbing and the flowing and that's almost to me what balance is. Yes. It's just keeping that ebbing and flowing in check. And um, we were just saying like you've – you're in the middle of a pretty hectic week. <laughs> yeah. And it's just knowing that, isn't yeah. it? That it's just this week. Exactly. And exactly. then I've got my Saturday coming, as you were saying, yep. you've got your plan for your Saturday, what that looks like for you. Mm. And then things might calm down a little bit and then exactly. they warm up again. And then I'm trying to think about yeah. that too. It's just like in, when I'm in the midst of that stress, mm. 
I'm like, this isn't forever. Yes. Yeah. It's just a right now. And I almost try and preempt it now. You know, as you mentioned, this week for me is um, extraordinarily busy, busier than most weeks. It's a lot of travel for me this week. Um, and I preempted that. I, I saw it coming. I knew it was coming in the lead up. And so I really tried to um, not be over, too overwhelmed by it mm. to, again, give myself those moments. So this Saturday is just going to be a day of you know, just a me day. And I'm, mm. I'm so looking forward to that. So I think for me, um, as I've gotten older, I'm 30 now, um, prioritizing me has just become more and more important and just knowing when to give yourself those pockets mm. of time um, is, is just becoming more and more important to me. Are you still doing Wednesdays from home? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. those little things, isn't it? It's like, yeah. And the beauty of working we shouldn't say working for ourselves. You actually work for Gritty Pretty. I work for Offline. It's that funny <laughs> thing, isn't it? It's like we own those businesses yeah. but we work for them. Yeah. But having the flexibility and the decision-making to be able to say I'm going to take that day because when mm. you're inside of somebody else's business, mm. it's much harder to steal that work from home time. In saying that, this has taken me four years to arrive at this place though so in the beginning when I had um resigned from my job I was working as a freelancer like there was no beach days there was no (laughs) yoga in the middle of the day well you know I went full eat pray love (laughs) (laughs) see I wish I did that but I, I I really didn't and I felt guilt you know if I took those moments of time and Mm -hmm. you know whenever I did got a coffee in the morning and started work at 10 I felt so much guilt because I had that corporate that programming structure and Mm -hmm. programming drilled into me um you know I worked in an in in certain office places where you know if you left at 5 32 you would be shamed and Mm, um gross yeah and I just felt so much guilt for so so long and it wasn't until this year the beginning of this year in January that I decided I'm going to have my one day in the middle of the week to work from home and that's going to help me break up my mm. week. So What's it's that day like? It's taken me a long time. It's my favourite yeah. day. It's good because it's the middle of the week. Nice choice. Yeah. So I chose Wednesday for that exact reason and I generally will start my day with a coffee and I will go to Pilates or yoga. Um, so I start a little bit later. Um, my girlfriend lives down the road, so I'll catch up with her and her daughter in the afternoon, walk to the park or head down to the beach. And that day for me, that Wednesday, despite the fact that I give myself those moments and those couple of hours for me, I get so So much much done. done. I mean, my God, I am so productive Mm. on a Wednesday. I'm learning so much about this, like sitting in my favorite cafe in Bondi with my laptop and my Mm. headphones in. I'm a machine. Yeah, you just power, right? A machine. But it's a certain type of personality. Like there are certain people who cannot work from home. They have mm. to be in an office environment. So and they're I not have, distracted. Yeah, I have people in my team who are very much like that and I completely respect that. But for me, I just, I mean, I am mm. I have my best at home. I yes, think. and I think it's when you're in a position where people um, ask and demand a lot of your time mm. and your opinion and mm. your expertise. Yes, the um the freedom in being alone Mm. like when I left work I thought yeah I wonder will I miss leading and before I started coaching again I did and that's part of the reason I started coaching but in that initial kind of six to seven months oh man I was like this is 
amazing. No one's asking me, do you have five minutes? Yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> have you seen that email? <laughs> yeah, mate. And the other <laughs> two. Yeah. God, I had, yeah, I think I get maybe, it's probably between 150 to 200 emails a oh. day. And every now and then I might have to remind someone of that just because um, I'm not able to get through those in eight hours. So it's just not possible. I've been thinking a lot about email. Part of me is like, Alison, just stop sending them and maybe you'll stop getting them back. (laughs) It's just that culture now where, and I'm finding that more and more I'm picking up my phone, which I'd never Mm. did in my job. I always just kept it to to email. But now I'm like, we can solve this in five minutes on the phone. Oh, yes. I'm a big fan of a phone call. Yeah, Yeah. versus, you know, the 15 emails. And as per my last and (laughs) if you see the thread. Following up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're one of the busiest people I know. We're all busy. Yeah, but you're pretty busy. we all are. You're pretty busy. I think mm. everyone is busy. Yeah. Really, I think the the world we live in, whether you are, you know, completely 100% committed to your career, whether you're in a place where you have family, wherever you are in your life, you are you are busy. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I'm busier than other people. It's just I think you're pretty I busy. <laughs> I and I I say Look, that okay, from this week, yeah, <laughs> this for week. sure, for sure. But I say that from a place of you know, when you've been where someone is, and you're the same, like we have that foundation of knowing what it means to lead, mm. strategize, you know, develop a business, be there for the right people. Mm. I know that pace mm. is, you know, when I think about those days, I'm like it was just every minute of my day was consumed by a task. Yeah. And you know what you're doing a month ahead. And mm-hmm. so I reckon you're pretty busy. Um, <laughs> I want to know what. And we've maybe touched on it a bit, but what do boundaries look like for you today? Oh, today? <laughs> Today's um, a, a different kind of day for me. I've just come off the back of a three-day trip in Melbourne. So got home after an eight-hour journey. It's from dumb Melbourne from Melbourne. Oh, my Sydney. God. Um, a lot of flight delays due to Sydney's good old weather. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's been a busy, busy week for sure. Today, obviously um, – this morning I'm spending my time with you. After this, I will head to into my office where I will sit down and have a very short and concise whip with my team because I obviously haven't seen them at all this week. I haven't been into the office this week. Then I will head out to do six office inspections. Yes, finding the new space. Yes, we're moving. Um, <laughs> so exciting. Gritty Pretty's headquarters, which is really exciting. But again, that will probably eat up a good two and a half to three hours of my time um, before I will head back to my office for about 30 minutes and then head to a beauty event, um, which will be an overnight event. And then at 6am tomorrow, I will head back to the airport and fly to Melbourne just for the day. And I will get back tomorrow night. So, um, yes, my boundaries today are about delegating. Mm-hmm. Um, this morning I arrived a little bit earlier before our recording. So I delegated what I needed to to my team because there are some priorities that need to be sent out today. Um And I think for me that's what I'm very, very good at. Mm. As a founder, um, I really do trust the people around me. I've chosen those people specifically for their skill set and I trust them 
undeniably. So um, if there's something that I don't have time to do um, and I and I know that they can, then I'll outsource it to them and I'll get them to do it for me. Um, you know, if it's if, if I've got the time, I'm so happy to, to do to all do those tasks. Um, but I think I've got to be smart about my time today so they're the boundaries I'm putting in place um and then tonight I will probably make sure I get to bed pretty early because I'll be up at the crack of dawn so yeah just managing my time is like I think my the boundary I'm putting in place because that becomes a bit of an art form doesn't it it does yeah and I think you know what as a beauty editor that's where you learn that because we, we we were taught okay you've got to you know be in the middle of a thousand word feature write a story, you're going to leave mid-sentence, go to a meeting, head out to a client lunch, come back, go straight back into that story, finish off those thousand words and then start your next story. And mm-hmm. I think that almost taught us how to be yes. able to do that so And well. how much work we got done in those cabs. Yeah, we're very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> um, what has the last year in business been like for you? Because we've had some incredible chats about how you're thinking ahead and planning for growth and you just Mm -hmm. said you're looking for a new space and tell us about the last 12 months I guess the media industry in general just continues to shape shift it does yeah yeah. and I think one thing Gritty Pretty has always done and I guess I've I've let it to do so is we've always been really nimble and fluid and we just kind of move and evolve with the times as things change we move with them we had we um, educate ourselves we advance our skills we learn about new platforms and technologies that we need to um but we stay committed to what we do Mm. we just stay in our lane Mm. um you know we are our motto is beauty minus the bs that's what you know, is my mantra about beauty um, and that's what we've always kind of cut through to at our core. So we've stayed committed to that over the last 12 months um, but we've definitely got to evolve. I think I've been so fortunate in that Gritty Pretty has been able to survive off aesthetically off its um, website skin for so long. It's yes. been able to survive off for five years, which is really long for a it website. It is a really long time and credit yeah. to you, like your design and yeah, design I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm fortunate it's, it's carried me through for that long, but we are 100% due for a redesign. I now look at the site and so much of it bugs me. I know that feeling. Because I just the, – the content we are creating – can be housed in such a, a better and more efficient way that five years ago wasn't possible. No, it was the technology wasn't there. Exactly. Yeah. So um, we've been working really hard on the redesign, which will um, everyone will see early next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really exciting. Um, again, we're moving into a new office space, um, which you know is such an exciting time for any business. Mm. Also stressful. Um, but I've done it once before now, so now I understand how commercial leases and solicitors work. <laughs> and what's all coming up for you yep, in that. All yeah, all of those fun things like term deposits and all those fun mm. things you learn firsthand. Um, so that will be a big change for us. Um, but, yeah, certainly for this year, as I move into um, the next few months, our focus is really on events. Events have become such a huge part they of have, the They have, haven't they? Event. So beautiful. And they're my favourite. Honestly, they are the hardest thing to put together. 
I've just come off the back of Melbourne. Yeah, I'm like you know. a shell of a human. Yeah, you know. They are so mm. much work. They are so expensive. Mm. Um, but that feeling that my team and I get when we meet our readers, I can't put it into words. Mm. Because not only do I get the opportunity to sit down with these women and say, what do you want to see on Gritty Pretty? What do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? How can we be better for you? How can we provide you with better information? That is There's invaluable. Like you can't put a price on that. Um, but then I met these be- – we had an event on Saturday and um, I met these beautiful girls at our event and they came up to me and they said, we just want to let you know that we met um, each other in the line at your Chanel event Stop. last year. And we were waiting to do our makeup and we got chatting and um, we exchanged numbers and became friends. And then we came along to your um, Women with Grit event that you spoke at earlier in the year. And now we're back again today. And to know that. We you create, are their connection point. Yeah, oh, my God, it's beautiful. Friendships. Um, God, that's so, so mm. special. So events for us have been such a. Such a focus and I don't think anyone in the beauty space is doing what we're doing and connecting with their audience the way in which we are. Yeah, agree. You know, as a digital brand, we have to focus on that. So that's been mm. huge for the business, really. It's a funny thing you say. I really value the chats Elle and I have about business. Recently over Brecky, we got onto the topic of mentors. We agreed that they come and go and sometimes they enter your life organically and other times you have to go out and get them. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank two of my own long-standing mentors, Mary Cotter and Jason Scott. I asked Elle about hers and how they have helped shape her, her business and its growth. Um, I've had a really interesting relationship with mentors and the forms in which you can receive mentorship. Uh, my my earliest career mentor was Zoe Foster Blake when I was interning, and she's the person who um, really nurtured me for a good six to twelve months and showed me this incredible world of beauty publishing. Um, and then when Zoe went off to do um, write her books and and she moved to Melbourne, naturally that mentorship uh, relationship came to an end. Um, but obviously we still you know, keep in touch. Um, And then I really didn't have a mentor for a long time until I was working at Famous Weekly magazine and the editor there, Gerard Roberts, who is now um, the CEO of Pacific Magazines. Um, He he was like a a mentor to me and um, that was an amazing experience to see the type of manager I wanted to be. He's – he was the type of editor who would walk into a room, stand on a, on a chair and just tell everyone what an amazing wow. job they had done that last month because, you know, Cirque figures had just gone up and he wanted every single person to take a moment to be proud of themselves and then we'd celebrate with, you know, a pub lunch. Um, and that was really, really good for me to see um, mm. just how those little moments could change. What leading looks like. Yeah, and it mm. could, would change how much you could put into your job just by someone saying to you, well done. Um, and then I uh, changed jobs so we kind of – our mentor, that relationship came to a close again and I went a few years without one. Um, 
especially in the early years of starting Gritty Pretty and I reached a place where I felt I needed one again. So I reached out to Marina Go, who was the publisher of Elle magazine. Yes. She brought Elle magazine into the country 20 years ago. Um, and I learned so much from her as how to be a female leader, how you could be um, soft and strong at the same time. Um, she's an incredible woman and we would catch up for coffee every now and then and I would tell her what I'm thinking of doing and what I'm going to add to the site and how can I make this better and um, she would give me so much advice and that was incredible to to get that um, mentorship from and now I've kind of arrived at a place where I don't have another official mentor per se but I have always educated myself with books, mm-hmm. with podcasts, um, and I feel that in itself is a is a medium for mentorship. We're so lucky now, aren't we? In that We're way, so the lucky. access to information. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think you know, even if you are in a position where you don't have one, um, there's so much at your disposal. You can literally find an interview um, with someone who you aspire to and who you feel you can learn from. Um, so that's something I've just always naturally been inclined to. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm – I don't know if I need one right now. I mm. feel like I'm in a, a pretty good place. Um but there's definitely something to be said if you don't have one and there's someone you would love to be mentored by, then, you know, ask them. Ask I, them. Yeah, I know that's yeah. a scary thing to do, but that's certainly what I did with Marina. I um, read her her biography and then I just sat there on the plane and I drafted an email um, and as soon as I, I landed, I fired off this email to her and basically just asked her, will you be my mentor? Um, and she, incredibly, she agreed and um, – I think, yeah, if, if if you don't have one and you're afraid, just ask. Just ask the question. Because yeah. that's the thing is sometimes you can be really proactive. Sometimes they just happen more organically. Absolutely. The biggest lesson I've learned is how ready are you to receive the mentorship? Mm. Because a lot of the time people say they want a mentor. Mm. And I've had these situations too where you're, there's been times when you, your advice might be challenged or – like you kind of got to go into those relationships assuming you know nothing. Mm. Yeah. And with really, really like an open mind, listening more than talking. Absolutely. There's so much that goes along with what it means to be an impeccable mentee. Mm. You know, we put so much focus on the mentor. Mm. But I talk a lot about what does it mean to be ready to receive that knowledge. Yeah. And what does behavior look like around that? And, you know, there's um, I've heard a couple of different stories from mentors in my life where you know, their mentees will say, well, you haven't been in touch or we haven't caught up in a while. And it's like, mate, Mm. this is where managing up comes in. Mm. How do you make it really easy for them to be wherever you need them to Mm. be or to have the conversations you need to be having? What does that look like? Where's their office? What coffee do they take? You know, can you put 20 minutes in their calendar with Mm. their EA? Mm. And can you give them an agenda? Yeah. So when they arrive, they know exactly what you, what they need to give. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they're not that formal, but I say that and I share that in that like the responsibility is on us as mentees as well, mm. you know, to make Completely. it easy for that person to say yes. Completely. Because sometimes the um, – oh, it's not a um, a weight, but it can feel lofty mm. when like if someone said to you, will you mentor me? You're like, mm. oh, I've got not a lot of time. Yeah. 
And that has happened. You know, I have been approached in the past and to mentor um, young women and, yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm. My my time is stretched incredibly thin. Mm. Um, So, you know, if you can do those things to help um, make that, that mentor-mentee relationship easier and, um, you know, you're both getting out of it um, Mm. what you both need, then then Mm. all the more power to Because we learn a lot mentoring. Yes. Like, I mean, the coaching I'm doing is a bit different, but, you know, the incredible thanks you get at the end of the call, but I'm like, no, thank you. Mm. Because this is like – like I'm taking so much from understanding mm-hmm. what's on your mind, mm. what you're challenged with, what questions you're asking yourself, mm-hmm. how you're looking at different markets and businesses. Mm. So it's actually a two-way. I actually texted my um, my mentor Jason yesterday after I'd had my little self-care session on the beach and um, I was reflecting on sort of how far I've come and I've never done it before but I texted him and I just said I want to thank you for everything mm. you've taught me. I mean, sure, I've said it in person and we've had those conversations but – just out of the blue to be like, fuck, mm. a big part of the reason I'm here is because of you, mm. you know, and yeah. the big, the reason I could do Melbourne the way I did or any anything else and coach and whatever is because of your guidance mm. and the time you've given me, like, gives me the warm and fuzzy. <laughs> um, okay. Can we talk about your relationship with your phone? Because this is where self-care comes into this for me yes. as well and sleep and all of it. Yes. Um, I'm trying to get out. We're talking about emails. I'm trying to get out of response mode. Mm-hmm. I'm just constantly feel like I'm just responding to emails, DMs, mm. da, 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 texts. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think about that and how do you get into sort of like proactive creativity? Mm. Like do you have boundaries on the phone or is it just – I do. Yeah. Um, I created them pretty early on. I have a permanent out-of-office you do. I always get that out of office with oh, yeah. all your team on there. Yeah. It's a good idea. Which actually I think now that I think back to that, I think Lisa Petulny is the person who inspired me to do that. I think she had one at one point working with you at Birdie and I thought that is bloody mm. genius. Um, so Because well, we'd get all the complaints from PRs that we weren't responding and – yeah, or just, yeah, the emails following up to see if you received totally you know, that press kit. Um, so I put a permanent out of office onto my emails that says I will respond within probably about 48 to 36 hours. Um, and I put that in place because I think there is certainly this expectation now that you are accessible 24-7. And I'm not. That's the reality. I'm not accessible 24 7 you cannot get me at at every waking minute of the day or the night so I put the out of office on um with a directory of sorts of who to redirect um that inquiry to um to the that person within my team and that definitely helped um it allowed me to then focus on things like creativity, productivity, and also just, you know, generally getting shit done. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing that I put in place. In the evenings, I'm pretty good. Um, I will try and put my phone away once I get home and have dinner with my husband. Um, But I'm like anyone else. Sometimes you'll find yourself just scrolling on the gram. It depends if Survivor's on or not because I'm so into Survivor. Are you? We are so into it. Yes, I haven't watched it. I caught um, one episode of The Bachelor last night. Oh no! Yeah, I. You know, it's one of those shows where I can't stand. I looked at it and I was like, 
Well, also I have a an aversion to it because I had to know about it for Pop Sugar for so oh, long. Oh, yeah. That now anything pop culture related I just don't know about mm. and I love that. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those shows where I turned on, I was like, well, she's obviously going to win. Oh, okay, <laughs> Isn't yeah. it? It's like that. Yeah. But Survivor, I haven't ever been into that. Yeah, I don't know. We're just really into it this season. <laughs> so definitely not on my phone those nights. Um, but I, I actually recently, only a couple of weeks ago, bought an alarm clock. I need to do this. Yes. So yes. I um, I had um, this incredible woman, um, Chelsea Pottinger, um, come in and speak to my team recently. And she, I just wanted her, um, she's a bit of a wellness coach. Um, and I wanted her to give some tips to my team as how to just better improve their lives and improve their wellness. And if they're looking after themselves, um, that's really, really important to me um, that they're their best selves. And one of them was obviously talking about being on your phone at night and what that does to the brain, um, you know, how it obviously impacts um, all the hormones that we release before mm. we go to sleep. So she gave his talk and literally like after she left, I went on to my phone, I bought an alarm clock and it arrived two days later. Um, yes. And now I use that rather than the alarm on my phone. Is it a beep, beep, beep? Yes, it's really loud and okay. Because <laughs> that's my that's my question then. Because yeah. I've got one that um, it goes off, and then it is a diffuser. Oh, oh, is of it? course, it is. <laughs> of course, I do. <laughs> um, I just the the shocking the shock awake yeah, yeah. is not good for my physiology. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. So I wondered if you'd found oh, one that was like a nice ding ding ding. Um, oh, the name of your one. I might get one of those. The diffuser, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's made a huge, huge mm. impact, I think, is, you know, naturally because phones have become our alarm clocks when our phone goes off, the first thing we do is, you know, get onto the gram and mm. um It's sick. Yeah, or you go on you go on a Facebook and you get your news and um, you know, if if you're reading this awful breaking news first thing in the morning, it could really have an effect on your mood for the entire day. Um, so I do put those boundaries in place. Um, but like I said, I'm human. You know, mm. sometimes I'll days where I'll catch myself or I'll catch my husband, I'll be like, get off your phone. Mm. Um, so it's just trying to be remind yourself to be present whenever mm. you can. Tony's on his phone like at length once a week on – the weekend usually mm -hmm. if I'm catching up and work on the lounge and he'll be next to me and he does his like scroll of the gram then he doesn't honor any other time mm. it's the most joyous thing because all I hear is him just wetting himself <laughs> laughing because he watches like he goes onto the explore page <laughs> all the viral videos <laughs> and does all the viral videos yeah I enjoy that too oh my god I don't well I don't do that so much as just my normal feed and mm. but it's actually um it's interesting to see how different people consume mm. on Instagram yes. um and his just makes me laugh because I'm like oh here he goes so it'll be yeah. like an hour of him just like big belly laughs, laughs. <laughs> <sighs> um okay skincare Yes. One of the main reasons we're here. Um, what do you – this is probably maybe a big question. I don't know. What do you wish women knew about skincare or their skin? <laughs> I mean, obviously there's so much. Um, that you need to respect it. Mm -hmm. And the earlier you can respect it, the better. Um, I think 
you know, we're blessed when we're younger and we have this incredible skin and um, we know that over time and as we age, things like, you know, our collagen and our natural hyaluronic acid, that all breaks down. But we don't truly respect our skin from a young age, um, whether it be some protection or simply just nourishing it with hydration through our diet, through topical products. Um, So I think what we've got to do is be more aware of the fact that our skin is our body's largest living organ. Mm. And truly think about that for a moment. You know, we are made up of various muscles and organs and cells, but our skin is the biggest one. Mm. So it blows my mind when I, you know, um, I might meet someone who says like, oh, I, I don't do anything. I wash my face with water. But every day you're going out into the sun, you're being yes. blasted with all these environmental aggressors, UV rays and pollution and um, all these free radicals and you're not doing anything to protect it. Mm. I think we've really got to think about that because we do think so much more about um, our diet and our exercise And our makeup even. Yeah, absolutely. And our makeup. But for me, skin is something that I I look at it more, I guess, holistically and um, more in terms of my health. Mm. I really, really Well, it is an accurate reflection of what's going on inside, isn't it? Mm, Definitely. Because as soon as it starts to come out on the outside, that's our body saying, Mm -hmm. warning, warning. Exactly, yeah. Something's not right. Um, So just being more aware of that. From a young age, and can I ask about sunscreen? Yes. What's the order? I'm putting it on after my serum, my moisturizer, then my sunscreen. Yeah. But I'm now like through call time on melanoma. Mm-hmm. I'm learning so much more about it that a lot of women do sunscreen first, and then everything else on top. I do my pre- my preparatory products first, so I do my essence, my serum my sunscreen, which is combined with a moisturiser. So mm-hmm. I don't need to put another layer over the top mm-hmm. of the sunscreen. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it still does come down to personal preference. Right, as long as to their own. Yeah, as long as you are using, you know, an SPF 50 plus um, every single day. Every day, especially on the plane. Every day, yeah. Especially mm. when you're driving. If you sit by a window at work. You know, the glass is being penetrated then and there by UVA rays and they're going straight to your skin to create pigmentation. So um, we need hats inside. Yeah. <laughs> um, you should get gritty pretty hats. Yes, we should. Cute. Facebook hats. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the number one thing that mm. women need to be aware of. And I grew up with a mother who is skincare obsessed. Mm. Like there is no one else in the world that I know who loves skincare more than my mum. Really? The amount of products she has, like she should be on hoarders on that TV <laughs> show. <laughs> really. It's always super beneficial having a beauty editor as a daughter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she, there's definitely some perks to that that she loves. Um, but I just grew up watching her put her prioritize her skin I remember some of my earliest memories I remember you know she'd get out of the shower she'd be dressed with the towel wrapped around her head and her dressing gown and she would just drench her body in creams Mm. and she has the most beautiful skin at 61 years of age 
Wow. Um, so I think I, yeah, I kind of went through those earlier, younger years in my earlier 20s being very aware. Obviously, I was a beauty editor at 19. So again, I was probably more educated than most. But I think for women, if you can really educate yourself on what it means to care for the health of your skin, um, mm. it'll really take you far in life. What is your sort of relationship with ageing? I am comfortable with it. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people aren't. Um, I I think because I love skincare so much, like I my I love my nighttime routine more than my morning routine because, like everyone else, I'm busy in the morning, got to quickly rush out, get out the door. Um, but my night routine, I just savor, mm. and I kind of. Um, I don't know if this is controversial to say, but I kind of feel like, you know, I can be a little bit smug about the fact that I've got, you know, at 30 years of age, I'll be 31 this year, I've got really good skin. You do. But I look after it. And you have been for a long time. For a long time, for a good decade. Like I didn't really start looking after mine properly until like 26, 27. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I probably started at 20. Mm. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I, I'm, I think things like fine lines and smile lines are really attractive mm. in a woman. Like when I see those beautiful older women and they've got gorgeous skin but you can see the life and the years that they've lived, I think there's something really, really attractive about that. So I'm really comfortable when it comes to aging. Um, I when it comes to things like um, invasive forms, you know, like filler or whatnot. I have a phobia of needles, so like a proper phobia. Wow! I cry when I get um, any sort of injection or blood test. Um, so anything like that, any cosmetic filler or anything, like that, it's just not going to be for you. Isn't an option for me. <laughs> Let's say knocked you out. Yeah, I don't judge anyone who does mm. by any means. It's just not – I just, I can't. Like, mm. I literally can't. Well, I've been talking about it a bit lately, like my relationship with Botox. Mm-hmm. Yep. And having had it like a little bit done before my wedding, for my wedding mm. when mm-hmm. I was 28 and then, you know, kind of every – anywhere from six to nine to 12 months mm. from there. Yep. I'm at a point where I don't want to get it anymore. Mm. And so the journey for me to go on is to fall in love with my face yeah, and how my face looks without it because we become so used to Mm. what it looks like to have tight skin. Yeah, and I mean maybe that's what it comes down to, right? Like maybe, you know, like I said, I don't judge anyone by any means who who chooses to have any of those procedures. Whatever you need to do Mm. to make you feel good about yourself is, is your prerogative and, you know, I'm no one to judge that. Um, it doesn't affect me in any way what decision someone makes about their body. But I do think if you can arrive at a place where you are happy with yourself. Totally. Then that's all that matters. Whether you need those things to arrive at that place, whether you, you know, do it without, whether it's a lot of self-work, whether it's therapy, whatever it is, whether mm. it's going to the gym and getting fit, whatever it is that it takes to get you to that that place, then that's what it takes. And totally. I do um 
I think we talked about this last time. Like I felt turning 30 for me was such a milestone because I really felt I had arrived at a place where I was really happy. Yes, me Being too. me. Like mm. physically I could look in the mirror and I could go, yeah, I look good. You're doing all right. Yeah, but, girl. you know, I, I work hard for that too. Yes. You know, I work out and I eat good and I care for myself and I mm. nourish my skin and I do all those things and they're purely for me. Mm. Um, so if, if, if I can also, you know, use Greedy Pretty as a platform to help women do that same thing, then that's – I can die happy then. Yes. Really. Well, I think that's my my story right now. It's like – you know, I can't be doing all this self-work mm. and be, you know, in this sort of deep exploration of what it means to be spiritual and not love my face mm. as it is naturally. Mm. And, you know, when my time comes to have a baby and stuff, it's mm. like there's going to be at least a two or three-year period where I will not be doing anything like that. Mm. And so I kind of maybe see that as my transition point into – what would what what would it look like for me to be natural natural mm. you know mm. um because it's hard to get off the botox train mm. honestly it's it's one like, thing i love so much about makeup is that you can use makeup to just enhance yes. all those features that you love perhaps to minimize the ones that you're not in love with um and i love that as a form of mm. expression mm. i really really do I just love when you can put slapping all the makeup on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm very proud to be partnering with Estee Lauder for this special self care Sundays mini series. Yeah, it's such a milestone for me. It is. I'm so I proud know. of you. I know, darling. We're here. I'm doing it. Um, I asked Nadia and Deb if they had an Estee story because so often Estee Lauder is one of those brands that our mums used growing up, mm. and you spoke a little bit about. Mm-hmm your mum's approach to skincare when you were little. Mm. Do you have an Estee story or what is your sort of relationship with the brand? One that just came into my head literally just then. Um, it was the last day of my internship, with, uh, not internship, work experience, sorry, with Zoe Foster-Blake. I had done it this week with um, Cosmopolitan magazine. They would kind of put me with Zoe for most of that week. And at the end of that week, um, she was like, thank you so much for coming in. Um, We'd love to have you back and come back as an intern. And here's a giant bag of product to say thank you. And I died. Like I honestly, it was like Christmas all come at once. Also coming from her. (laughs) Oh, it was like a, a huge bag full to the brim of product. And I took it with me and I just was like, I couldn't believe it. Really couldn't. I got on the train to go from Sydney all the way back to Gosford on the oh, Central Coast. Oh, and I, I sat love there you. with and all I your just products. pulled out every single product and played with every single one. And I called my mum and my dad and I, I, I was just so overwhelmed by, by the products that I had been given. And in that bag was a turquoise green Estee Lauder eyeshadow. And I don't know if you remember the I old do. packaging. I do, yeah. It was like in, in – clear kind of perspex um it had the round pot in there and I just became obsessed with this one bloody eyeshadow and I wore green on my eyes <laughs> <laughs> you know that turquoise Cheek. you know yes. that turquoise that face. yeah um this is what 2007 um and I wore that on my eyes for months 
months and months and what months. What a beautiful story. Oh, I just remembered it then. Like I was completely obsessed with that yesterday. Eyeshadow. Can't say I'd wear that off my <laughs> eyes now. Maybe more as a liner. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even do that now. <laughs> what a gorgeous story. Part of Elle's role as an ambassador for Estee Lauder is to educate on products like Advanced Night Repair. If you follow her on Instagram, you'll know her love affair with the cult serum runs deep. While the product's core purpose is to regenerate the skin overnight, I'm always interested in the different ways women use their favourite products. Nadia Fairfax mentioned a hydration tip she'd learned from Elle, and that was to mix A&R into her foundation. And then after we'd stopped recording, Deborah Simon O'Neill told me she uses A&R to set her eyebrows for the day. How cool. And of course, it isn't just women who love the cult serum. Um, I have to share with you that Tony started using mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've lost a few bottles to my husband. Honestly, he's like this mm. A&R monster now. Mm. Like the other day he was like, we need more of this. Mm. I was like, all right, mate. And they love it because it's a gel. Yes. Men love that cooling yes. gel and consistency. And it's not sticky. It's not sticky. Mm-hmm. They love it because the applicator. Yeah, I've lost a few. <laughs> to the boys um can and I'm, I'm asking you this question because you are rightly the person who can educate us on mm-hmm. um the more technical side scientific side not technical why is it so effective there, there okay there's in my job i obviously get to test a lot of product mm-hmm. any product that launches onto the market comes across my desk and I'm able to review it. Um, I can't test everything, obviously. I would literally run out of space on my skin. You probably have acne. Uh, yeah, probably. I have had many a reaction in, in the past. Um, but I'm able to see what launches onto the market and, and what stays on the market and consistently delivers time and time again. And every now and then um, a cult product will emerge and it will become a loved by so many people for many, many years. And the reason I think that advanced night repair is so effective is for a couple of reasons. The main one is its key ingredient, which is hyaluronic acid. It's probably Mm -hmm. my, I would say, one of my favourite top two skincare ingredients of all time. The reason for that is that hyaluronic acid is, is, as you know, it's like a natural substance in our skin. So we have hyaluron in our own bodies, in our skin cells. Like collagen, however, as we get older and as we age, our hyaluronic acid, our natural hyaluronic acid and our collagen starts to break down. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, we start to look old and, mm-hmm. you know, our skin loses its elasticity and all those wonderful things happen. And I genuinely say it's wonderful because I um, I think ageing can be a really beautiful thing. Um, but what is incredible about hyaluronic acid is that it's able to retain moisture and mm-hmm. water. And when our skin is hydrated, when it has its optimal amount of moisturisation within it, it's plumper, our fine lines and our wrinkles are minimized. It looks brighter, it reflects light, and it's at its healthier state. Um, and what I love about A&R is that it is packed full with hyaluronic acid. Mm. It's amazing for sensitive skin. Any sort of skin type can yes. use it really. Well, this is what goes to show like because my mum uses it, my mm-hmm. husband uses it, mm-hmm. 
and I use it. And I think I'm a fan of products that, um, yeah, that are universal and inclusive and, Mm. you know, it's, for me, it's almost if someone says to me, you know, what serum should I be using? You know, I can't if it's someone on Instagram, for example, I can't see them. I don't know their skin. I'll always ask them what their skin type is, but I can always confidently tell them mm. that they can try A&R and they will get no adverse reaction, that their skin will be more hydrated instantly from using it. But over time, it's going to improve itself as well. Mm. Um, I just think that's an amazing ingredient and that's one of the reasons why I love it so much Mm. Um, and I just also you know just love the ritual of it as well I think given that you know I use it morning and night granted Mm. but at night time to just be able to sit there and really take a moment like you said um, and just give yourself that gift Mm. of applying your skincare from start to finish, from cleansing to applying your serum to applying your moisturiser, to give yourself that time before bed is just that little gift to you. So Mm. I try and prioritise that more and more. It's interesting you say morning and night Mm. because while I was obviously – it's got night in the name, so Mm. you're like using Mm. it at night. Yes. As I've been doing more events and panels and public speaking, Mm. I'm really trying to like – up the skin situation for those. I'm doing a lot of um, gel masks, Mm -hmm. so not the sheet mask but the gel mask before Mm -hmm. events straight under my makeup Mm -hmm. and then also using A&R. It is. You can put some in your foundation too. Well, I was going to – you don't know this yet because in Nadia's episode Mm. she actually references you educating on Instagram about doing that. And then she went and tried it as well. So mixing it in yeah. to your foundation. Just on the back of your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's like a, you know, a hydration hit. Think of it as like a UV so drip, good. you know, IV drip. Um, how has your relationship with your evening skincare routine evolved? Mm, it's, I mean, the last few months it's changed a lot. I am currently 22 weeks pregnant. <laughs> my darling. Um, so there are certain things I can't use on my skin. Mm. Retinol, which is my other favourite oh, ingredient. So I know. Hyaluronic acid and retinol are my two faves. I was going to ask what your second was and I thought it might have been vitamin C. Yeah. I mean, so vitamin C is probably third. Mm. Um but God, I love retinol. I mean, How if, if you, I could put it on every night, I would. You would because yeah. I love it that much. Mm. However, being pregnant, you can't use it. Um, being that it's vitamin A, so mm. I've had to cut that out. I know um, a lot of um, pregnant women struggle with that because it is, you know, what we traditionally use to resurface. Mm. How? What do you do instead? I'm ex- I'm being a lot more diligent with my exfoliating. I'm probably doing that maybe three times a week now. Mm-hmm. rather than one to two times. Um, so I've increased that. But the beautiful thing about advanced night repair is that I can still use it while I'm pregnant. Yes. So I haven't had to make too much of a compromise. Um, I haven't had to change too many things. Um, at night time, I still love to do my essence. I do my serum. I do a night cream because I'm – admittedly, I'm a bit bad with – eye cream a bit Mm. lazy which I should be better I know me too um but I'm trying to be better so I try and do that um and then I'll do something like a really beautiful night oil like something really nourishing and Mm. massage that into my skin um whereas in the past year I would have used a retinol product as my my final Mm. step so it hasn't changed too much but Mm. 
I definitely and then I know you love your um your like liquid like your drinkable potions like your yes always yeah. always so before I go to bed I will always make my husband and I a cup of the um the beauty chef um, beauty sleep powder. Mm. It's delicious. It tastes like a dessert. It's like dessert, isn't it? It is like dessert. So I'll make that with a warm coconut milk. Um, he never makes it because he says that I make the best ones. Um, <laughs> so I make us a cup of that before bed. Um, we'll enjoy that and then I'll do my nighttime routine. And, and I definitely spend, you know, at least five minutes. It's not that long really, but no. like, you know, just sitting there and just – Giving myself that. I head. like in order to get a good night's sleep, I have to have a hot shower before I go to bed. Oh. Yeah, so I shower twice a day. Yeah, but the shower in the evening is like low lit. Yeah, I'll either light a candle or yeah. we've got like a second light in the bathroom where I'll just have that one on. Yeah, and just I know I'm not supposed to have it really hot, but I do at the moment. Just like mm. really hot. It's kind of long. It's a bit naughty with the water. I know, but that for me, like warming my body up. Mm is the way I yeah. – that helps me fall asleep. And then, God forbid, it's a Sunday and you've got fresh sheets. Oh, oh my God. God. Getting in that bed. The best. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of sleep, um, what is your relationship with sleep? <laughs> it is um, one of respect. <laughs> it is a huge priority for me. I'm – I'm a bit nervous for the sleep deprivation that I'm going to um, yeah. experience in the new year. Um because I am an eight-hour kind of girl, maybe nine. Mm. Um, but I will, I will always prioritize my sleep. If if I don't get those eight nine hours, I'm very cranky mm. the next day. Probably don't really want to see me, especially if I haven't had a coffee or something. Um, you know, uh, for example, I was in Melbourne earlier this week and I had these work events and they went till about ten thirty at night and I called it. I was the first person to leave the dinner because mm. I was like, I have to go to sleep. Mm. So I really try and prioritize that. Um, I think it is something that, I mean, it's something that we all need. I know. Right? Like if we don't sleep, we would die. I know. When I reflect back on those years at um, Alua, you know, there was a six-year period where four or five hours a night became my – Oh, mate. And I would just be – I'd wake up and basically Tony would put a coffee in my hand. The first thing that would hit my system wow. was caffeine and emails. Wow. And it just became my programming. Like that's just – people ask me how I did it. I'm like, that's how I did it. Wow. But then on the back of that job, now sleeping eight to nine hours a night, everything is better. Mm. Yeah. Everything is better. My skin is better. My mood is better. My ideas are better. Mm. I'm more productive. My weight um, changed, like mm -hmm. my body changed. Yeah, your metabolism. Mm -hmm. Yep. My, mm -hmm. like what I desire mm -hmm. as well because, you know, when we're living in a state of lack, mm. we tend to try and eat things or do things that we think are going to supplement mm. us mm -hmm. and that might look like the hot chippies or the wine. <laughs> I mean, I do love a hot chip. <laughs> I love hot chips. <laughs> Um, or the wine, like mm. I didn't realise how much I was drinking mm. and then how much the drinking was affecting my sleep mm. as well because I would drink to escape the stress. Mm. But then I'd be lying awake at night so buzzed because my body yes. actually don't suit alcohol. Like I get extremely bad hangovers. Like I'm talking I will vomit for 24 hours. Ooh. Bad. Wow. The doctor said to me, 
you're just one of those people that shouldn't drink. Mm. And I was like, where does that leave me though? Yeah, where does that I love a red wine. Oh, I miss a red wine. I bet. Oh. I know. Yeah. Last night Matt had a glass of red and I just sat there smelling it. Smelling it. it. <laughs> For like a good few minutes. It's like, are you right? You're like, what does it taste like? Oh, yeah. Just it's so tempting, but no, mm, no. I'm not going to go there. Got to be a good girl. Um, in the two times that you've kindly been on offline, this is now your third, um, we've spoken about our responsibility as creators to drive greater diversity and representation in the beauty space. Mm. And I wanted to talk about this again with you being mm. sort of like a beauty publisher. Sure. Um, it continues to be a very key theme. Mm-hmm. I does. mean, certainly for me and I know yeah. you as a founder as well. Yeah. What does diversity look like for pretty for pretty pretty tongue twister? What does diversity look like for gritty pretty coming up? Um, I think it looks like what it's always looked like. Yeah. To be honest, um, you know, we've always believed in celebrating beauty of, in every single shape, form, color, texture, age that it comes in. Mm. Um, this past Saturday I was talking about uh, we held a recent event in Sydney. We held this gorgeous high tea and morning tea and an afternoon tea. And um, we had women of all ages. We had mothers. We had daughters. We had 20-year-olds. We had, um, you know, plus 50-year-olds. And that is always who we have catered to from the very beginning. Um, so we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, mm. you know. I think being, you know, I consider myself to be someone of colour given that my mother is Filipino and, you know, I, I also grew up experiencing racism and all of those kind of things, um, having an Asian mother and I don't know, like to me I'm just like it's just – that's just how the world is. We mm. are this beautiful mixed melting pot of cultures and skin colours and shapes and sizes and I think that is honestly what makes everyone so beautiful. Mm. I think it's like so thank you as somebody who is in the world creating content for women. The fact that that is your point of view is extremely inspiring. What's exciting when I think about that is because you've got this platform that is diversity as a mandate, it's encouraging the brands mm. to cater yeah, because there's somewhere to put that. And so that. they should. And, yeah. you know, and we talked about this before, um, you know, brands are beginning to cater more and more. Mm. Um, you know, probably should have happened bloody, you know, 20, 30 years ago, to be honest. But, hey, we're here and we're now seeing brands cater to, you know, 60, 70 shades of foundation mm. and so they should mm-hmm. because we all come in these amazing shades and, mm. um, yeah, I just I, – I get excited when I see anyone. Who Me too. Like, oh, wow, they're incredibly beautiful. They're so yeah. interesting looking. Yes. I just think, yeah, everyone – we all should have a place and everyone should be able to walk into a store and be able to buy – a top that fits them and a foundation that matches them perfectly. So mm. I'm all for it. That's our bloody birthright. Yeah. 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 Um, so as you know, I ask my guests a final question. Oh, shit. Are you going to ask me this? Mate, we're doing True Self 2.0. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to do that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Um, the reason I want to ask you, though, is because you've got that beautiful bun in the oven. Yes. I could not be happier for oh, a human. Thank you. You know, and you look just like joy. Oh, thank you. Suits you. <laughs> thank you. 
Um, I'm feeling good now. Yeah. Wasn't feeling good in the beginning. <laughs> Something for me to look forward to. Yeah. Um, I guess I want to know how you're thinking about true self through the lens of perhaps mm. motherhood. Mm. Like, I mean, we take on a new, we bring a new part of ourselves or perhaps does a new part of us come alive, mm. you know? Yeah, I definitely feel, I mean, it's the last 22 weeks have been a wild ride. Um, they've been filled with anxiety and um, fear um, and so much joy and so much happiness. Mm. Um, and I definitely think I'm in this place in my life where, I, I don't know, I, I'm about to go into this new stage. It is the unknown and I am nervous. I think anyone who's telling you that they're not nervous no. is lying because I am certainly nervous. I will be too. Um, you know, I'm nervous for how life will change, but I'm so excited to meet my baby. Like mm. even saying that, I, I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, and I definitely think I'm both my husband and I are becoming more and more aware of the type of parent we hope mm. to be to our child and um, how parenthood, I guess, will change us. I think we will be naive to assume that yeah. it won't. Um, but I'm also just trying to go into it. I'm trying not to have too much of a plan. You know, I've got to do certain things running a business. I've got to try and get it ready as best I can and get my team ready as best I can to give myself that time off mm -hmm. with my newborn um, son or daughter. don't know what I'm having. You're not finding out. <laughs> Surprise. No, we're not finding out. I'm definitely going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will. Yeah, I will. No, I'm, yeah, I'm such a surprise person, so I'm happy to find it at the end. I need to find it at the end. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe there's a, um, a coming into my own that perhaps I'm experiencing again, and I guess that'll come, you know, full force once the baby arrives. Um, I'm due in January, so... It's interesting that I'm I'm almost approaching it like it's it is a new year. Yes. Like 2020 is going to be a really really different mm. year for me. Capricorn. Uh, if I'm on time and if I'm late, Aquarius. Yeah, either way, yeah, good. either way, good good ones. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I don't know. I think I'm still very much me, but um. I'm I'm so ready to learn mm. from my child. Oh yeah, I think. My baby's going to teach me so much about the world. It's going to teach me so much about myself. Um, it's going to teach me so much about my husband. I mm -hmm. can't wait to watch my husband become a father. Oh, my God, we've spoken about that. To oh. Tony holding babies. What is it? like? But then let alone my own baby. Yeah. I just don't even know if, I'll be, if my heart will handle that. Yeah. I actually said to, cause, said to him because we play the guessing game of what do we think we're having? Um and I said to him last night, what do you think we're having? If you really try and imagine it, mm. like imagine it, this baby in your arms, what do you imagine? He, We had been vibing boy for a long time mm. and he said last night, I think maybe it's a girl. And then just the thought of him oh. holding a little girl. <laughs> a girl. I mean, all boy. I don't care. I'm so, so happy with whatever. But, mm. um, yeah, I think, I think becoming a mum is going to – show me so much about mm. myself and mm. about the world and 
I'm, yeah, I'm all the things. I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. I'm nervous. I'm scared. Mm. Um, I'm all of those feelings. But I am really, really looking forward to mm. it. Yeah. Thank you for being on my podcast once Thank you again. For having me. Get ready for next time. I'm going to go around number four, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. At some well, stage. Yeah. Yeah. Have the bub then. Yeah. <laughs> make an appearance. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, darling. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. You can find more episodes at offlinethepodcast.com or by subscribing wherever you like to listen. Original music by Darren Lake, produced by Podpaste. One last thing. If you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them. 